0: Hello. My name is Tom Boone.
1: And I'm Joanna Bailey.
0: Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we've got for you this week.
1: Coming up today, Australia is opening up at last. I'll take a look at the flights scheduled to be some of the first in 18 months, while Tom gives us a big, exciting A380 update.
0: Joe will deliver the latest on Air India's privatisation and I'll see how Europe is set to lose its last MD-11.
1: Finally, I'll tell you about one lucky dog that got a business class upgrade.
0: I'm guessing that's not Jeff.
1: Sadly, no.
0: <laughs> well, anyway, now you know what's in store. Let's get on with the show and tell us about Australia, Joe.
1: So, yeah, it's been more than 18 months of closed borders. Um, in fact, it's coming up to a year and three quarters, I believe. And finally, Australia is ready to open up. Um, so, it had been anticipated that Australia would open in December, and airlines had planned their flights as such. Um, Qantas had anticipated restarting its international flights in mid December. Um, But a surprise announcement from the Australian government has seen them bring these flights forward. So for Qantas, it's planning to restart Sydney to Los Angeles three times a week and Sydney to London five times a week from November 14th. Um, So flights to London are set to run three times weekly. um, But the demand has already seen Qantas add extra flights to its schedule. So um, for now, it's going to be five times a week. And the first flights will leave Sydney in the evening about 18.30 on Sundays, Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays and Fridays and mm. interestingly as expected Qantas will skip Perth and will be flying instead via Darwin um, so we, we thought this might be the case a little while ago because uh, Western Australia has had a much stricter lockdown policy than uh, than Darwin and in fact Qantas has been operating a lot of its repatriation flights via Darwin because it's been um, a lot easier to get in and out. Um, mm. So Alan Joyce was quoted as saying at this stage. Western Australia doesn't intend to open to international travel until sometime next year. So, unfortunately, we'll have to temporarily move our Perth-London service until at least April 2022. Um, so, that's five times a week in November. But by mid-December, QF1 and QF2 are timetabled to fly daily. Um, so, you know, quite a busy ramping up of operations. Los Angeles will initially fly on Sundays, Wednesdays and Fridays. Um, but again, by mid-December, qf QF11 and QF12 are both going daily. Um, for the time being, of course, we don't really know how Qantas is going to get on with these flights because the, Australia's borders are still closed to outsiders. Um, so this kind of reopening of the border really applies to Australians only. But, you know, it's going to get these tens of thousands of Australians who are stranded abroad over, over back home res- reasonably quickly. Sorry, mm. I'm struggling to um, speak English today (laughs) I've got a horrible head cold and my brain is not working whatsoever Um, anyway so Australia is expected to start opening its borders to citizens of other countries relatively soon it's already said it's going to begin with countries with the highest vaccination rates so high hopes for the UK we've been doing really well on vaccinations about the only thing we have been doing well Um, but in any case um, the government expects its own citizens to be allowed to enter the USA and UK So, it's fair to assume that these countries are going to want reciprocity. Can you say that word for me, please, Tom?
0: Reciprocity? Thank you. (laughs) Reciprocity. Yeah, let's go with that.
1: Okay, awesome. Yeah, they want them to do the same, basically. Um, So, those mid-November flights from London, uh, for London, should I say, have reportedly already been sold out. Um, And fueling the rush is obviously Australia has now dropped its 14-day self-funded hotel quarantine um, in favour of seven days at home, which is much easier and much more comfortable and, uh, let's face it, affordable. Um, So Alan Joyce said, we've already sold out some of the international flights for December as well. And there's been really strong demand on flights to and from London and Los Angeles. So we're confident there'll be a lot of interest in these services. Um, But he said, beyond the initial rush, the ongoing demand for international flights will, of course, hinge largely on what the quarantine requirements are. And of course, that's at both ends. Um, Although Australia obviously doesn't have many COVID cases, there's still a lot of places in the world that are just plain closed. Um, but I think, you know, the opening of Australia, which has been so tightly locked down for such a long time, it's a really good sign um, and good news for all of us.
0: Definitely. Well, I've got more good news um in the form of the A380, and I've been very restrained in talking about it recently. So I thought <laughs> I'd let it all out today. Go for it, Tom. Um, So what I found really interesting, actually, was our buddies over at Head for Points um, spotted, they've seen some internal documents from BA, apparently, um, which suggest that the A380 could come back as soon as November 8th. And the airline's kind of got a little bit of a problem when it comes to the A380 because, as you and I well know, they haven't been flying for Ages now. There's a couple of pilots who've been ferrying them back and forth um, between London and Heathrow, but other than them, um, no one's been on them for probably like 18 months, like you said, on Australia. So mm-hmm. basically, lots of the crew, both in the cockpit and in the cabin, are sort of out of touch with the aircraft now. So it seems what they're going to do is, um, like when they bring a new aircraft into service, run a load of short-haul flights with it first. And according to Head for Points, from the 8th of October, they're going to be flying the A380 to Frankfurt and Madrid.
1: 8th of Um, December.
0: 8th of, 8th of October, 8th of November. Oh, November. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, well, it's not
1: later this week, so I thought it must have been December. 8th of November. Yeah. Got it.
0: Yeah. 8th of November. Sorry, did I say October? Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, well, anyway, I'm so excited. Um,
1: <laughs> we can tell. 8th of
0: November, uh, re- return rotation to Frankfurt in the morning and then to Madrid in the afternoon. Um, although, like anything like this, it's not confirmed by the airline and it's not in the schedules. So be aware that maybe it won't happen and don't rush to book flights because you might be disappointed Mm. um, if you're specifically wanting to fly on that aircraft. Um, But, you know, it's not going to take forever to recertify all the crew and get them back into their their mix. Um, From... December 8th, then they're looking to go, Or not even December 8th, apparently from December 3rd, they're looking to go to Miami with Dubai following on the 5th, Fort Worth in Dallas on the 7th, and then um, everyone's favourite LAX on the 9th, although mm. again, it's not confirmed by the airline and Head for Points was reporting that the launch at Dallas-Fort Worth could be delayed while they sort of implement facilities to handle such a big aircraft.
1: Ah, have they not had it before then?
0: Um, well, you know, I thought like maybe Emirates would have flown there, but I'm not 100% mm. sure. But I know as B- BA, um, it used to be the 747.
1: Right, right. Um,
0: which, of course, no Isn't longer more? flies for the airline. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of Emirates, I've got some colourful news with them. They have quite possibly invented the Marmite of aircraft liveries. <laughs> You've seen it. I've seen it. I don't know, do you love it or do you hate it? Uh,
1: well, I was a big fa- fan of Mr. Tumble and, and his spotty outfit, so I don't mind it because it does remind me of when my children were little and we used to watch Mr. Tumble on CBeebies. So uh, I quite
0: love it, actually. Well, I really love this colourful livery that they've come out with. It's mainly blue, Um it Look, you could almost say it's simple flying blue, but uh, it's probably <laughs> not quite the exact shade. I'm sure we weren't um, their
1: muse for that, Tom. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, I, we can live and hope. Um Mainly blue. It's got lots of colourful dots on. And on one side, it says in big words, Dubai Expo. So you kind of know what it's advertising. Mm. And on the other side, it says, be part of the magic. And also the lady who was on top of the uh, Burj Khalifa for the... Um, for that iconic advert, she's mm. also on the side holding a couple of cards, one saying Dubai Expo with the dates of it and the other one saying, see you there. And then on the engines, they've just got Dubai Expo written and the dates of the show. So, you know, I I saw that and I loved it. It's on A6EEU, um, which is a 7.9 old year old aircraft, but they're also going to apply this livery to two more A380s. Oh, which, are they? Yep. Yep. Two more, so that's going to leave a total of 43 that have an Expo livery, because you may remember that um, 20 of the A380s and 20 of the seven, uh, 777s got this sort of dotty circle livery on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um So that's... that's but by the time the ex- they've
1: painted the other three, surely the Expo will have finished, won't it? Uh, well, it's going on till March, it like- so oh, I it takes quite a long um, 16 expo. Wow. days
0: from start to finish, so a oh, month okay. for two aircraft. So, you know, you still got... A lot of time for them to be seen and then um they'll probably be around after a little bit because it's you know with the expo ones i think they're just uh, decals so it should be quite mm. quick and easy to take them off but as far as these three are concerned they're gonna have to have a full repaint because they've there's some decals on them but the majority of it is painted yeah um Another colourful A380, you see, I'm, I'm with my segues today, um, <laughs> is ANA's orange um, two-year-old Airbus A380. That's the last one going to go to A, And that's kind of getting some excitement because I, uh, just this morning, it undertook its final customer acceptance flight. And you may remember it was delivered on paper a year, agro- a year ago, mm-hmm. and it took its first flight two years ago. Well, it's finally set to fly out to Japan in mid-October, the airline told me. So cool. they're finally going to have the all three of them in Narita as a family. Um, hopefully this one doesn't get delayed by a turtle or a tortoise. <laughs> 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 um, and then finally in my sort of around the world trip of a380s near um japan is singapore and they've got a load of a380s you see i'm still with the not, not really
1: near tom i wouldn't say but <laughs> yeah it is, it's a lot nearer, nearer than, than you London. are in frankfurt certainly <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: um they've got two more a380s, well they've got rid of five a380s um around about a year ago and they haven't got rid of them yet but they've taken them out of the fleet And apparently, according to the folks over at Flight Global, two of those are going to be parted out at the Changi Exhibition Centre, which is adjacent to the Singapore Changi Airport, Mm. um, alongside a Boeing 777 that's met a similar fate. And, you know, they're going to take a load of spare parts to maintain the other A380 engines they have. So they'll probably keep the engines, I'd imagine, um, landing gear, cockpit components, seats, Mm -hmm. all that fun stuff that you could just take out of one and put into another um, and a lot more of it is going to go to the airline's recently launched upcycling project. So I've got a piece of Singapore Airlines um, S9V uh, SKE on my desk as a little keyring. So mm. perhaps we'll see more of that from these other two aircraft in terms of which ones it's going to be. It's 9 SKH, which was serial number 21, and 9 v SKG, which was serial number 19. So they're really sort of old aircraft now, 13 years um, old. So, you know, they make sense for those to be the ones to leave the A380 um, team at Singapore. But it's just sad that any are leaving, given how much happy news we had about the A380 <laughs> this week.
1: Definitely. Well, I, I think that's really put you on a high to report all this um, amazing A three eighty news. I think
0: I think just the BA bit was enough. But <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we're having some good news out of India as well because it seems like um, the long and ongoing saga of of the privatisation of Air India is finally coming to a close. Um, mm. So they closed their final bidding on September 15th. Um, and of course, you know, while while the government was trying to keep it very quiet who the final bidders were, everybody knew that there were only really two um, yeah. companies in the running. Um, there were more in the beginning, but for some time now, it's been just the Tata Group and AJ Singh of SpiceJet. Um, you know, both of these bidders have fairly solid control- credentials particularly in the aviation world. Yeah. Um, however Tata for quite some time has been considered to be the front runner um, and last week there was some announcements made that Tata had already been selected um, mm-hmm. with um, Bloomberg, obviously a well respected publication, reporting that the deal had been done. Um, it claimed that Tata Sons had won the bidding saying a panel of ministers had accepted their proposal although the information wasn't being made public for a few more days. Um, they said that there should be an announcement made within the next week. So if Bloomberg Mm. was right, we could hear officially by the end of this week. Um, However, in a tweet on the same morning, the finance ministry um, vehemently denied it. They said all these reports are incorrect and that no Mm. final decision had been made and that the media would be advised once they'd actually made that decision. But, you know, of course, they've got to say that really, um, because it's not been officially announced.
0: We've seen other stuff before where that's been the case, not necessarily out of India. And then, you know even like
1: a week later, they're like, Oh, well not yeah, even actually that, that was true. You know, <laughs> you'll, you'll
0: write something, and then an hour later they're like, Oh, actually it is true, we just yeah. didn't want to tell you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so but so uh, no, I mean the jury's still out, kind of. Um, but yeah. we 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 almost sort of know that Tata's are gonna, gonna be the winning bidder, uh, which I hmm. think is great for India, and I'll tell you why in just a minute. But just to really push home how cool this is and how much of a big deal this is gonna be, particularly for current Prime Minister Narendra Modi, you know, there hmm. have been multiple. Multiple governments that have attempted to sell off this airline over the last like 30, 40 years. And every time it's either resulted in a lack of interested bidders or some sort of political opposition that's undone the whole plan. Um, so, you know, this the fact that it's actually come to a conclusion will be a, mm. a massive win for India and for the government. So anyway, if Tata Group does indeed win the bid for Air India, it's almost like the airlines come full circle. I think it's beautiful. Um, because Air India started life 80 years ago as Tata Air Services. Um, And it it was founded by the well-known businessman JRD Tata, um, who is the godfather of everything Tata sons, basically. Mm. Um, And it began life just flying mail around Karachi and Bombay. And in fact, JRD Tata himself flew the first aircraft, which was the single-engined de Havilland Pussmoth. And really, Mm. the airline kind of grew from there. It became Tata Airlines, and then it started flying passengers as well as cargo. after the end Mm. of the Second World War, it became a public limited company and was then called Air India. Um, 49% of the airline was acquired by the government in 1948. And in 1953, the government took majority ownership. So it's been a public airline for like 60 years now. um, But it hasn't turned a profit for about 15 of those years. Mm. (laughs) So it merged with an airline called Indian Airlines in 2007. And um, right now it's saddled with debts in excess of eight billion dollars. Oh wow. Um, so you've got to think kind of why does anyone actually want to um want to by this airline, but it does have some really good assets that will be highly regarded by the bidders. So, um, in particular, the winners expected to get control of Air India's 1,800 international and 4,400 domestic landing slots at Indian airports. Now, Indian airports, particularly the big ones, are some of the most constrained in the world. So, mm. this is quite a big deal. As well as that, there are 900 slots at overseas airports, which includes a bunch at London Heathrow. Um, so that in itself yeah that in itself is probably worth the value of the airline Um, but Mm -hmm. also included in the sale of course is Air India Express which is just about a profitable company and 50% of the Air India SATS airport services which is its cargo and ground handling bits and pieces again a relatively profitable part of the business Um, so and what I think is really exciting is that if Tata does take Air India they're talking about merging all their airline brands efficiency so there's going to be a single brand for all of its airlines including the low-cost ones so that'll be air india vistara air, in- air asia india and air india express that will all be lumped under one thing that will do a bit of everything yeah um, so exciting times I-, I can't wait to see how it pans out and you know mm-hmm. this is the first real chance at a turnaround for air india in decades and yeah. I-, I really hope it goes all right
0: Well, watch watch this space. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. One thing that's not going to last that long is the MD-11 in Europe. And that's because it's just kind of reaching the end of its its time. There's only actually one active MD-11 left in the whole continent. I mean, obviously, there's maybe some that fly here from elsewhere, but there's one that's based in Europe, and that Mm -hmm. is Lufthansa's um, Delta Lima Alpha Charlie Charlie. (laughs) And it's... Quite an old aircraft. Um, well, its I say it's quite old. It's, it's not actually super old. It's 23.15 years. So there's older stuff in the Lufthansa Group fleet, I'm pretty sure. Um, you know, it first flew in 1998. And since then, it's completed 95,517 flight hours across 17,865 flight cycles. So, you know, it's got some use, um, but you have to think... It's got free engines. It's not great for the environment. And that's exactly mm. what Lufthansa is thinking. Um, they have sold or it's going to go to a new owner called Western Global Airlines on. And, you know, its last flight is going to touch down at Frankfurt Airport at midday on October 15th. So two weeks from now, um, I think two weeks or no, a week and a half from now, Friday, yeah. a week, a week on Friday, its last flight in uh, to frankfurt airport so i'll try and get that i guess um because that'll be a nice to get photos of to oh, say definitely. farewell. They've, yeah they've put the phrases farewell and thank you on the fuselage so they've kind of, they're kind of recognizing it and it's um just going to cairo tel aviv chicago and new york before it retires but we don't know which is which date of course it's not just a case of we're giving up our cargo industry um division instead they are replacing it so Lufthansa has kind of been going with this kind of roughly one in one out situation Mm -hmm. uh, with new Boeing 777 freighters and it's got Um, 11 now, with an additional four available through a joint venture with Aerologic. So it recently took, last week it took its newest one, new from the factory, at 6am it arrived in Frankfurt and it was the last one that Lufthansa Cargo had the purchase options for. But you know, it also wanted new, uh, more aircraft. So it's actually taken a second-hand Triple 777 freighter as well from Dubai-based Emirates. And that's already got 46,815 hours of flight time across 8,103 flights. So it's roughly around half the flight time of the MD-11, I think. It's um, wow. already 10 years old, but, you know, it was not delivered in a Lufthansa livery because it's not new instead it came in an all-white livery and Lufthansa really was like all hands on deck we want to fly this airplane now so instead of sending it off to get a lovely paint job they've just applied some decals to its completely white livery saying I'm a natural beauty I'm waiting for my Lufthansa cargo makeup
1: <laughs> that's awesome I think it's very cool actually what a great way to yeah. deal with an unliveried plane
0: Yeah, because you know, most people would just fly it blank. Yeah. If this was the situation. So I love that they've actually gone to the effort of giving it some kind of identity I'm hoping to see it fly past the window soon
1: (laughs) (laughs) definitely definitely cool well I wanted to wrap up today with a bit of a light-hearted story um, about dogs because I do like dogs Mm, Um, especially Jeff (laughs) yeah I think everyone on the podcast knows and loves Jeff and uh, I did tell him this story and he was quite envious because um, (laughs) a rescue my dog's a rescue as well it is a greyhound rescue um, enjoyed the experience of a lifetime because it was his birth when he took a flight with his owner on Singapore Airlines from Melbourne to Italy. Um, mm. Now, this, this person was actually moving to Italy, so she'd packed up everything and she'd shelled out for herself to travel in business class on board Singapore Airlines a 350 Now, because of the difficulties Australia was having or was, continues to have for a little bit longer um, in terms of its borders, the plane was practically empty. Um, mm. So, you know, the whole business cabin was pretty much vacant so rather than making um his name was lewis the greyhound rather than (laughs) making lewis travel in the cargo compartment as would normally be the case when you're traveling with a pet um they actually allowed him his own seat in business class um, because it was his birthday (laughs) so there's some wonderful photos on simple flying you guys have to check it out of lewis just reclining on the business class lie flat seat and having a bit of birthday cake and just Mm. really having the whale of a time um so apparently the flight crew said he was the best dog they'd ever had. There were no accidents and no noise. Um, they'd rate him higher than some of the fully trained service dogs they've had in the cabin. So uh,
0: I was going to say they'd probably rate him higher than some of the passengers as well.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Um, so good for Lewis. Uh, we wish him a very happy birthday. And uh, yeah, please, Singapore, can I have that upgrade when it's my birthday? <laughs> Promise I, I, I won't BA have any accidents or make a noise.
0: <laughs> I want BA to upgrade me when I'm on the A380 from frankfurt (laughs) oh
1: definitely so i hope that brought a smile to your face but i think that's all we've got time for on today's podcast um we hope you enjoyed it and welcome your feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com
0: for more great content you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media simply search for simple flying
1: if you enjoyed this podcast please leave us a rating on your favorite podcast player thanks for listening
0: bye